Alice Tolmeyer, the first female digital EU influencer in 2020 and the founder of Defend Democracy, talks to find out why about the importance of defending liberal democracy. As long as platforms have polarization as their business model, then our public debates and our shared reality and thus democracy are at risk. And shares her reflections on the issue of vote manipulation during the period before the Dutch elections. We uh, created this social media watchdog called Kieskijker. Uh, you know, I'm fine with banning a bot. I don't think bots have human rights. Micro-targeting and political advertising were not restricted at the time of Dutch elections. How would you comment on that? I think it's high time that social media platforms and browsers offer equal election protection to their users worldwide, including full transparency of political ads. However, do note that political ads are only the tip of the iceberg. For the Dutch elections, we uh, created this social media watchdog called Kieskijker, a great project to be working on. We worked with a, a Dutch partner called Trorensics, and they have this amazing software where you can monitor social media. Do you believe that the Dutch authorities took measures to avoid the manipulation of the vote? Well, yeah, they, they did a lot. They took measures. I'm not sure they did enough, though. Things they did were developing policy. They had other parties develop a voluntary code of conduct. They outsourced detection and awareness to external parties. But apart from that, I don't have the impression our Dutch government was doing anything like proactively to prevent unwanted interference and harmful disinformation. I think that's a missed opportunity. How aware you think is the Dutch population on phenomena such as online disinformation? A large part of the Dutch population is very worried about disinformation. About 70% is concerned about fake news and they are also worried about the potential effect of fake news on voting behavior. However, when looking at digital literacy, I think there's a, quite a, a discrepancy between uh, people's perceptions because on the one hand, three quarters of Dutch people think they encounter fake news weekly or more often, but at the same time, 64% say they never share a fake news story themselves. And they also overestimate themselves in recognizing fake news because a majority thinks they can recognize fake news themselves, but they doubt whether others can. Probably no one likes to hear or learn that they can be tricked or fooled into believing something. But still, of course we are. I mean, even, even disinformation experts are sometimes tricked. The pandemic and especially the, the uh, infodemic during the pandemic has raised the stakes, momentum, for regulating platforms has absolutely increased, but of course also needed is more proactive measures 
something of uh, increasing costs for malign and criminal online behavior. Well, those who post controversial content online often get more traction because their posts are engaging. How can democracy and rational political debate survive this model? Well, that's an interesting question. I was wondering, do engaging posts cause more traction? Or is it the other way around? And does algorithm-enhanced traction cause posts to seem more engaging? And I don't have the answer. But I do know that as long as platforms have polarization as their business model, then our public debates and our shared reality and thus democracy are at risk. Is there a solution? There's probably no easy solution. One thing that has crossed my mind many times is, wouldn't it be doable to create public alternatives to browsers, platforms and devices where transparency, accountability, privacy, security, rights, ethics, checks and balances are replacing those profit-driven polarizing business models. You wouldn't even need to ban or censor commercial versions if you just offer all citizens access to public service alternatives. What is your opinion about the Digital Services Act? It's been a while since I had time to look at the Digital Services Act. I've been involved with part of it in, uh, you know, last summer I was in uh, several working groups. One was for the European Action Plan on uh, Democracy and the other one was on the Digital Services Act. Uh, We especially focused on default transparency for all political ads. An aspect which I think should be increased is about the proactive measures, so the deterrent actions like uh, sanctions and raising costs. That, of course, goes specifically for foreign state actors, but also for those with criminal or other types of malign uh, intent. I'm not definitely talking about individual posting a lie. That's, of course, uh, freedom of expression. As uh, Vice President Europa often says, we're not going to be uh, a ministry of truth. And I think she's fully right. However, you know, if you don't take those more deterrent actions when when you're talking about organized manipulation and disinformation campaigns, then I think as an EU institution, but also as a national government, then you are failing to protect the freedom of information and expression of real persons and citizens. So... Uh, You know, I'm fine with banning a bot. I don't think bots have human rights. Where is this fine line in the online freedom of speech argument? You know, things like hate speech and precisely the controversial and polarizing content that gets amplified threatens women and minority groups because they often get disproportionately targeted. The... Freedom of speech is not the freedom of reach. 
making so-called speed bumps, which in certain cases change the algorithms that would normally perhaps amplify outrageous content, but make sure that it's less easy to share that particular post or make it impossible to, to like or uh, comment or retweet. That's not censorship. What is the role of civil society in defending democracy? One of the things that organizations like ours can do is not just to help raise awareness, but also push decision makers and policy makers for more ambitious action and more urgency. And another important thing that we can do is to bring like-minded people together and not just online, but also offline. It's important to bond and to feel part of a community and to inspire each other to take action, to share ideas, plans and motivate each other. And especially as activists, but probably also as active citizens, it's what you need to keep going. And, and that's why we organize monthly so-called democracy drinks, in-person, informal networking events for democracy defenders and other people that are interested in defending democracy. Um, we started those events in Brussels in 2018. There are now also democracy drinks in Berlin, in Washington DC, in Copenhagen, in Montreal, Canada, hopefully soon in The Hague. This was Alice Tolmeyer the first female digital EU influencer in 2020 and the founder of Defend Democracy. And I'm Elena Giola for Find Out Why.